series of uh, messages called Holy Love, Healing Power. And today we're going to talk about grace generating generosity. What we do again so far in this series is what we've learned. Uh, the first thing is that God's holy love is inconceivable. It is beyond explanation and But this holy love can be experienced. We may not be able to explain it or express it fully, but we can experience it. We can receive it. Experiencing His infinite love gives us roots as we enter into the process of transformation that Jesus calls us to. It acts as a solid foundation and It's the business of experiencing and learning the practice Jesus holy love is our lifelong task. The final goal of following Jesus is that His love will come to the place where His love motivates us and shapes everything we do. Or say another way, Christ's love has the first and last word in everything we do. So that's the foundation. The foundation is that God loves us in ways we can't express or explain. Teach us how to live that way too. So one of the things that works us to do that is where the chains of falsehood in our lives be broken. It happens when we bravely confess our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups to fellow followers of Jesus. When we refuse that people care, we only because everybody we know, even the people sitting right next to you, or the one in your seat, is broken. Some people are more broken than others. Uh, you need to find people who are committed to speaking the truth in love. We go on to see not only are we to put off falsehood and put on speaking the truth in love, but we are also to deal with our anger. And in Jesus, we see that love and anger in his life, they're together. They're inseparable. Love and anger are inseparable, inseparably entangled in the hearts of persons whose feelings, anger and all, are redeemed by the grace of God and his mind renewing spirit. Jesus' holy love holds hands with his holy anger. So, we talked a little bit about how we need to resolve our anger. One of the first things we need to do is ask the question, why am I angry? Think of the ticking me off about this. Is it because somebody's trying to take advantage of me? Or is it because somebody's trying to take advantage of someone else? Love's first response is to defend and to come to the, the aid of those other folks. Now, I'm not saying that we should become uh, doormats. But I am saying that we need to care for others first. That's how holy love motivates Before we dive into the next commandment, Paul gives us uh, in this 
idea of growing in holy love and sharing the experience and the practice. But I want to remind you that this entire process of remaking our character is a gift from God. It is a matter of grace. It isn't a matter of our willpower. It's an expression of His love for us. It isn't a matter of grit and determination on our part. In fact, if we think we're the ones that have to do this, we need to go back and experience more holy love. Because He loves us before we ever had the possibility of wanting to obey Christian life does not start with moral behavior. It doesn't. It includes moral behavior. It includes changing the way we act and changing and becoming more like Jesus. But it doesn't start good. We don't become good in order to get to God. But once we have been brought into this and this love and this behavior begins to become part of that. The serving process is part of that discipling process that he called us to, that formation of learning to live in holy life. We can easily trap of thinking that obeying these commands uh, is ability. When we do that, following Jesus comes into a form of rules, rituals, and regulations, all of which we can do as human beings. But you see, the whole process is a supernatural, miraculous thing. If you can pull this off on your own, if you think you can follow Jesus on your own, you don't quite understand what he wants to do. We can become, in learning about and working for Jesus, that our relationship with Jesus that we always have to grow in is that we take a role, a religious role, uh, a church role that gradually obliterates the life of our church and our relationship. What did the people Jesus had the most trouble with when he was here? They were gung-ho church people. If I ever do a Bible translation, instead of talking about Pharisees and Sadducees, I'm going to call them gung ho church people. Well, now you know why. That's my whole Bible translation phase in it. We're so into obeying the rules and following the rituals and regulations that they had no room for God when He showed up. Paul in, in, in this book that we were working our way through, God has in mind nothing short than the full, complete renovation of our human character. He proposes to radically transform his people from their lost in behavior at odds with who God is and who he wants us to be and governed by unworthy motives. He, he wants to take people who are lost in these behaviors and these motives and turn them into people 
that he could present to himself as holy and blameless in his life. So, what's the next thing that he gives us? It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. I'm going to be reading from the International Leaders Version. Anyone who has been sinned must never feel again. Well, there's a period at the end of that sentence, so I thought I would stop for a minute. Now, I just want to let you know that if your first thought was, oh, that leaves me off, then I'm going to be that stuff. Yeah, you did. I'll tell you in a minute. Yeah, it's okay. So, anyone that's feeling that other feel again, say they must work. They must do something full with their own hands. Then they will have something to give the people who need. Now, there are at least three broad groups of uh, those who steal from others. And all, uh, well, we can call them thieves. Uh, we can call them parasites. We can even call them predators. But we have all lived in these groups, these groups, or maybe all of these groups at some point. There are property parasites, or per- property thieves. These are the first people you thought of. Are the people who steal stuff, your stuff, or somebody else's stuff? These are the people who walk into Seven Eleven down on the corner of Henry and North Union Street and they make a withdrawal. They're not from the ATM. Uh, these are these are these are people who take stuff, and some of it's really obvious. They they double money. They, uh, we have all kinds of things in the history of our community, right? We have people who, who, who uh, took money and never gave passed it on to the people who were supposed to receive it, or excuse me, took, uh, and uh, didn't pay their bills, and then all of a sudden you're a business to tax us, and everybody thinks that happened. Uh, oh, you know what happened? Went to the students uh, and didn't pay their bills. Uh, so we, we understand that. These are the big, obvious uh, property parasites and thieves. But the smaller ones, you see, persons who spend their family's resources and their own income to help them and pass to other members of the family, uh, also, That's the real obvious one. One of the real obvious ones is property parasites, property thieves, and predators. But there are also emotional parasites. There are people who drain us emotionally. They steal our emotional spiritual strength. Uh, okay. There's this person who exists to join, criticize, browbeat, nag, curse, shout, sap, hit, lie, and otherwise verbally poison. Now, if your first thought is, well, I'm glad he's not talking about the best uncomfortable, please don't make a decision. These people with the, the, the constant Chinese water torture approach to stuff, 
harping on people that just kind of reach the light from everybody around them. And then there's people who want to perfection, who find a way to control and direct uh, other people and stop the energy from them. And then there's the codependent people who confuse love with faith. And continually trying to find ways that they can get their friends and family and loved ones into positions where they need need help. And then they can rescue them. Then they'll over. Okay, so let me do it. It's a response 
ability. He's given us the ability to find His love into the needs of other people with His love. He's given us responsibility for ourselves and for the resources that He's entrusted to us. By the power of His Holy Spirit, He's given us responsibility. The gospel, I'm going to remind you that you know, the gospel does not mean to take good people and make them better. It means to take broken, sinful people like us and give us hope. Set us free to be terrified and holy and make them a person of God and his grace and his love and his generosity. So, if you, if you don't remember anything else from today, this is what I want you to remember. Grace generates generosity in God's faith. I know, it's kind of bumper stickerish. But I try to do that so that you can have a better chance of remembering it. The, the concept is a whole lot deeper than what you think. The grace generates generosity in God's faith. Let's talk about that for a minute. What does grace generated, God honoring generosity look like? I'm going to tell you what it looks like by telling you what it is. Generosity is not giving that fosters dependence, responsibility, confidence, or fortune. If you're giving, if you're helping, Make somebody a worse person than they were before you helped them. That's not generosity. That requires you to be dishonest or to give up your integrity to do it. If you have to lie to get help, I will just prove you that the first thing we're supposed to do is to get help with followers of Jesus. Generosity is not being manipulative or helping. It's not just bringing your resources. One of the first things you have to learn, I have so much and I respond ability with what God has given to me. I don't have responsibility for anything else. Because it makes us feel good, or it makes us look like a good person to make us feel good. That's not generosity. That's part of that parasite character mindset that says, Give me things that you can't have out of Generosity is not giving us helping other people to do what you want them to do. Again, that closes mindset. I'm going to use what I have to control you. Generosity is not motivated. We're still talking about generosity. Generosity is not motivated by coming to the worst possible conclusion about somebody's wealth and assuming that somehow your father is going to prevent disaster. 
a thinking mindset into a different mindset. The Holy Spirit empowers us to recognize and utilize the resources
Jesus says you have been saved. You can do this. We can stand and look in the mirror all day long and our spots aren't going to change and you're not going to be able to stop doing what we've been doing when you do change that from the inside out. So, 